Well, if you would like to follow along with us on the text this morning, we're going to look at John chapter 3. I'm going to read a couple verses here. It talks about, if you read it, you'll see so many things in, in this scripture that brings us down to the apex or the utmost scripture of scriptures. And that is, for God so loved the world. Mm, think about that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Our precious Lord, there is none like you. For you alone are our only hope of redemption and eternal life. But you're our hope to have a joyous and happy life here. Simply thank you seems to come so short in expressing our heart's gratitude. But with heart-filled love, we say thank you, Lord, for loving us when we were even unlovable. To love you supremely and others as ourself, it is our loving Savior that makes it possible. And so today, Lord, as we lift up your name, that name that's above every name, may you be honored, glorified, and may you warm our hearts on this cold day in Jesus' name. Amen. The word in the Bible is, all the words in the Bible are inspired, profitable, full of grace and truth. So we believe every word and every promise of God. Amen? Come on. I believe the word of God. It was given to us in truth and grace and full of truth. And so John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. Oh, this morning, church, what a great God that we have. I'm going to break it down this morning a little bit. I know that some pastors, they don't like to preach on John 3.16 because it is so difficult to actually do it justice. It can just be read from the pulpit, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But I prayed and I said, Lord, you know, February is the love month. Amen. Turn to somebody and said, yeah, it's the love month. And I was thinking about it and I said, Lord, I, I want to preach on, on, on your love. I want to preach on the love of God, the grace of God. And, and so what I am going to share with you, I believe, will bless you as it blessed me. Let me break it down just a little bit. The utmost of a declaration is given to us in the scripture. Now, I want you to know something. When I say this word utmost, that means that it is above average. It is above even the you know, best, better, and bestest, or good, uh, you know, great, and gooder. Amen. Now, gooder, I know, is an Ozarkian term, amen, and I, I like that word. It's a far step above the normal. It's a far step. In other words, you can't get any better than the utmost. The utmost is a, is a word that we can use down here. We don't use it very often. But it is our best ability to try to describe this passage of Scripture. It is above anything else that we can accomplish in this world is to have the love of God and Him and giving to us His Son. So the utmost declaration for God so loved the world. I'm glad that he doesn't just love Northsiders. I'm glad that he doesn't just love Assemblies of God. 
you know, they were going through heaven and, and the archangel said to the group that was on the tour, you know, I said, now, now you, this next group that's in this little room over here, be real quiet because they think they're the only ones up here. Thank you, Lord. I'm glad you got it. I'm glad that he doesn't, uh, you know, make it so restrictive, you know, that, that uh, even, uh, even the superintendent of the Assemblies of God could not make it. Come on. Follow what I'm saying. God loves an entire world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. You know, Jesus loves the little children of the world. Well, I've got news for you. He loves old grouches too. I'm telling you, when men take their fist and they put it to heaven and they curse God, oh, he still loves them and he doesn't separate them from anybody else. He gives them the same opportunity to come to Christ because at the foot of the cross, it's level. The rich, the poor, the, the large folks, the small folks, the young folks and the mature folks, he loves us all, amen. We're in this world, amen, and he loves the world. Look at who is doing the loving here. It is God. There is no greater lover than that of God Almighty to you and to me because I'll tell you what, if he had any characteristics of humanity, amen, and nothing in the Godhead, he would just write us off. First time that somebody kicked their tires and cussed God, he'd say, you're done. But he doesn't have that. He loves us. In fact, I will even make a statement. I know that God does not love on different degrees or whatever, but I will tell you this. There are challenges to God on different degrees. When I was walking in sin, I was a huge challenge to everybody. I was a challenge to myself. Oh, don't look at me so pious. I could tell on you if I wanted to today, but I know that's not wise, amen. That's not how you build a church. None of us were perfect. None of us were saints. Amen. You know what a saint is? Is A saint is only a sinner saved by grace. How many sinners saved by grace are in the house of the Lord this morning? He loves us. Amen. It is an utmost declaration. What a capacity that he gives to, uh, to love a world. Amen. Yet he loves each and every one of us individually. Think about that. God, the creator, loves you. Knows you by name. Knows all of your weaknesses. Knows all of your strengths. No, because he gave, he, gave you, he gave you your personality. Yeah. He, you know, sometimes you, you just have to go with it. I'm not saying that God makes you cranky. But, you know, God has given to us all different personalities. It's what makes the world go round. Well, I better get off that one in a hurry. I got my plow stuck in that stump, didn't I? My little finite mind cannot comprehend the vastness of the love of God to a world that curses him, that kicks dirt upon him, that slaps him in the face, that plucks his beard out and pierces a sword in his, a spear in his side. And yet he looks up to heaven and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I will tell you, that's not a defense when you get to heaven. That will not hold water when you get to heaven if you've had one opportunity, just one opportunity to come to a saving knowledge of Christ and come and say, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned. Forgive me, I am a sinner, Lord. I don't want to live in that life anymore. I want to be redeemed. Hallelujah. I want to be a woman of God. I want to be a woman of grace. I want to be a man, a godly man. Amen. Come on, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I want to be uh, someone that you are glad. Amen. You're proud of me and I'm proud of you 
not because of the accomplishments, but because I accepted you, Lord. I was, you know, let me tell you what. People who are Christians are the smartest people in the world. People who are sinners are the dumbest people in the world. Okay, I said it. You can repeat me. You got to be a dummy to reject Christ. Think about it. He gives you eternal life, but he takes away all the pain and all the sorrow, and he gives to you eternal life. Amen. As Nathan said, what must it be like, amen, to close your eyes here and open them there, amen, and it'd be a whole different atmosphere, a whole different world, amen. I'm not ready to sign up for the next busload, and neither are you, but I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, praise God. Lord, this is a little difficult. I feel like that it's just kind of going out there and dropping out there. But I want you to bless me today, Lord. I want you to bless me as I give this message this morning. I want you to, to put something deep in my spirit, amen, on this. Because I'm grateful, Lord, and we're grateful this morning that you love us. Even when we were not lovable, amen. Oh, you love all the world, amen, because you gave your life for us. A mother loves her baby, and her baby loves her mother. Could I get an amen from all the mothers? I don't care if your baby is 45 years old. He still loves you. And you love that little sweetheart. Your little, your little 45-year-old baby, he cannot do anything wrong. Years ago, years ago, we were, we were trying to, to, to work with a family because their son had let a baby bull into this person's house and it destroyed that house. And the mother kept saying, no, he didn't do that. No, he didn't do that. No, he wouldn't do that. And he's over saying, yes, I did, Mom. Yes, I did. No, you wouldn't do anything like that. How would you like to have that to deal with? Seriously, put a little baby bull in the house. And I mean, it was... But I'm saying this is, a mother will do everything in her power to take care of her child. She will love that child because you see you're special. Because you're a part of that baby and that baby's a part of you. And the child is a part of their mother and their mother is a part of them. My dad told me one time, he said, listen, he said, I'll knock you into kingdom come if I hear you talk bad about your mother. Don't let me hear you say anything bad or derogatory about your mama because I will tell you, son, she's the last person that will ever let you down. She loves you like nobody else will, and you better treat her with respect. Oh, if daddies would only tell that to their kids. Now, I'm not advocating you knock them into kingdom come, but... I got the word, amen. I love my mama. You know, I'd tell her, I'd say, boy, that's the best food that I've ever had in my mouth. And I'm telling you what, it might not have been the very favorite that I had. But I knew as long as I loved my mother, she'd take care of me good. In fact, the Bible even goes the further than that. said, if you're good to your mom and dad, you'll have long life. That may be long life in heaven. I don't know. But it's good. Okay, I got a lot to share here, so let's move on. But the mother can only do so much. A mother can be sitting in the courtroom... And though she loves her son or her daughter, and they're there because they did something stupid. You see, sin is stupidity. You do stupid things. You spend all your rent money. Oh, I don't want to go there. And the mother is sitting there and she's on pins and needles because she knows that everything that's getting ready to happen, she has no control over. She can love that child. She can pray for that child. But when that child does something that is stupid and has to stand before the judge and the judge says, I sentence you to 12 years in the state penitentiary, even though the mother would love to do something and take care of that 
she can't take care of it. And that's one of the problems in our world today is, is parents try to fix everything and take care of it. If your baby's crying and you don't want that baby to cry, look at it this way. Let that baby cry because it's building its lungs. Nathan, I'll let you cry yourself to sleep. Your mother, she would be so mad. Go get, go get Nathan. I said, let him cry. He's all right. Just check on him. Man. We know he's breathing, amen, because he's crying, amen. Let him cry. He's building his lungs, praise God. And pretty soon, you know, he'd, ah, he goes to sleep. Some of you mothers, I, I want to tell you, some of you mothers, just a little whimper, you run over and grab him. Throw a, throw a toy at him, you know, amen. Place a toy in front of him and say, there it is, you know, and if you got an expensive toy in it, am I preaching all right this morning or, or am I, you know? And I'll tell you what, if a toy don't work, give them, a, give them an empty toilet paper roll. My mother had tricks to keep us quiet in church. She'd put scotch tape on this finger and you'd try to get it off. You'd get it over on this finger and then you'd have scotch tape on this finger and you'd try to get it off over here. And whenever all else fails, she says, just wait till your father comes home. Oh, well, i got to get off that. That's not in the notes. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me, though, that moms, even though they love their children, there's nothing they can do in some circumstances. They can pray. Not so with God. He can change any situation. He can change any circumstance. He can change, he can change uh, an outcome that would not look so good. Sister Ann and I were sitting in the courtroom with a mother. And I will tell you that the young man that came right before this young lady, uh, the judge, he didn't even hardly uh, take time to even talk to the lawyer. He said seven years in state penitentiary. And they, young, they walked that young man right back through the door that they brought him in. And our case was next. Sister Ann looked over at me and she said, it don't look good, does it? I said, it's never good when you're sitting in this place. And the judge said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to remand you to the house of hope, and you better not come back before me. Sister Ann, that was a, that was a turning point in my life because the prosecutor read off all the charges. And I go, woo. And that young lady gave her heart to the Lord. And she did not serve one day in the state penitentiary. And it wasn't because of mama. It was because that God in his great love knew that God was going to touch this young lady's life. How many, how many of you here today, now forget it. Well, I'd have to join you with this, so I'm just going to leave it alone. Okay. <laughs> how many of you ever got in a situation you wished you hadn't gotten into? And how many of you got in that situation, you look at it and say, how can I get out of it? Huh? How many of you did get out of sometimes and sometimes you didn't get out of it? Well, I covered that one, didn't I? But how many times have you come to the Lord and the Lord was right there to help you through your circumstance? Uh, you may not have liked it. Uh, you may not have liked the outcome, but I have a, a little note on my, on my desk this morning to share with you, and that is that our uh, God's wisdom in answering our prayers is more important than our prayers. 
In other words, God can sometimes say no, not yet, maybe. No, He has sovereignty, amen. Whenever you ask Him for something, His answer is more wise than our request. Well, somebody ought to take that to the spiritual bank this morning. You can stand on that, amen. So His love is endless, inexhaustible, immeasurable. We all have a measure of love. And so I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up love, and I found this, and I think it's worth repeating for you today. And that is the love, five love languages. Everybody, anybody ever heard of this? Yeah, okay, well, let me share a little of them. The first one is affirmation. I love you. Compliments, appreciation, communication, the language of doability, everybody can affirm. I try to practice being affirmative. The cross is a positive sign. Some people look at it as, but I will look at that cross always as a positive sign. When the economy is tanking and bad, we preach to hold on, church, because the cross is positive. Amen. God has your back. He carries you. So I always try to be very appreciative and affirmative, amen, when I'm dealing with people. And I'll tell you, sometimes you can find somebody that is all down. They look like they've been uh, sucking on grapes, you know, or lemons or something, you know. And your spirit should tell you, your spirit should tell you, this person needs to have a little uplift. This person needs a word of encouragement. This person needs to have somebody to come alongside of them and say something good to them. Now, you've got to be careful because people misconstrue whatever it is your affirmation might be. So the love language is, is uh, affirm. Amen. Love, I love you. Uh, you give them compliments, affirmative, you know, and we can all find something good to say about somebody else. Now, we may have to look quite a ways. Oh, come on, church. All right. The husband said, after their first year of marriage, he said, Sugar dumpling, I'm really worried about my baby girl. You got a bad sniffle, and there's no telling about all these things with all the strep going around. I'm putting you in the hospital this afternoon for a general checkup and a good rest. I know the food is lousy there, so I'll bring you food from your favorite restaurant every evening. I've already got it all arranged with the floor superintendent. I want you to be taken well care of. And all the girls said, that's a good husband. Year two. Listen, darling, I don't like the sound of that cough. I've called Dr. Miller to rush over here. Now you go to bed like a good girl and just uh, rest. Year three. Maybe you better lie down, honey. Nothing like a little rest when you feel lousy. I'll bring you something. Do you have anything like canned soup in the cupboard? Year four. Now look, dear, be sensible. After you fed the kids, washed the dishes, and finished vacuuming, you better lie down. You don't sound good. Fifth year. Why don't you take a couple of aspirins? Sixth year. If you just gargle something instead of sitting around barking like a seal. Year seven. For Pete's sake, stop sneezing. Are you trying to give me pneumonia? <laughs> Number two. Love language of quality time. Quality time. Giving your undivided attention. 
I was in a seminar one time on marriage, and, and uh, it was Brother and Sister Arnold, and, and uh, I was making a lot of notes and things because that was something that Sister Blacker and I would require to do in the ministry. And, and uh, I'll never forget that Brother Arnold was sitting over at a table, and, and he had a big old newspaper, and he had it right here, and Sister Arnold was trying to talk to him, and he wouldn't put the newspaper down. He was saying, yeah, I understand. I hear you. Well, let me tell you what. I know, guys, that we can, we can multitask. But quality time is not just listening out of your ear. Listening sometimes is with the eyes. You've got to stop what you're doing, and you've got to sit down, and you've got to pay attention. Amen. Oh, quit looking at me like that, fellas. <laughs> Unmuzzle her, David. Let her go. Amen. <laughs> He's trying to hold her. <laughs> amen. Quality time. Amen. Giving some good time. Amen. We're talking about the language of love. Praise God. Amen. In the natural realm, uh, in com- not in, even in comparison with God's love. Uh, number three, the acts of service. Uh, going out of your way to make life easier. Amen. Listen. I will tell you this, uh, I have become a pretty good laundry doer. Sister Blacker gets upset at me when I throw the whites in with the towels. She gets upset at me whenever I do something, you know, that makes the lint get over everything else. She says, do, you could do what you want to with your clothes, but don't you touch mine. Could I get a witness, guys? I'm getting pretty good at washing dishes. I've never w- grew up with a dishwasher and I'll tell you what, it doesn't make any sense to me that you put something in the dishwasher and it comes out and you've got to put it back in again. I'm the old-fashioned way, amen. I don't mind to stand at the sink and get me a scrubber. Pastor, you better just move on. You, you better just leave that alone. Some of you guys are looking at me like, listen, if you don't like the way the kitchen looks, do something about it. I don't know what I'm going to do here. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to do. Gifts. Not the monetary of importance, but meaningful expressions. When Sister Blacker and I first got married, amen, the first couple of years, I used to use post-it notes, and I'd put post-it notes everywhere. I'd put it on the mirror, you know, and have a great day, love you. Put it in the car, you know, like that. But now that we're in... I wasn't even going to tell that. Listen, if you don't compliment your wife, somebody else will. Oh, it got quiet in here, didn't it? Huh? And that's not original. That came from an old preacher. Well, I could share a little bit more here, but I got too much to go here. So, Physical. All the above and more, amen, is all involved in it. There's a major difference in our love and God's love. God doesn't just have love. God is love. God is love, amen. And let me tell you, there's a difference between love is and God is love. You can love something. You can love your tractor. You can love your, your pickup. You can love your dog. You can love your job. You can, but I will tell you this. Oh, the love of God. God is love. Let me go back to affirmation. Here's how I'm going to live my life in affirmation. He who is in me is greater than he who is in this world. I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus. I'm going to find good things to say about the Lord. 
I'm going to take the name of the Lord in worship and praise and not in vain. I know that greater is he that's within us than he that's within this world. And Gloria, let me tell you what. You overcame this morning when you said you were fighting with the devil because you're here and you got a good spirit and you're happy, amen. And you know what? Just tell the devil you don't get thee behind me. I don't want nothing to do with you. Number two, Jesus died on the cross for me and his grace is sufficient. No matter what I go through, no matter what happens to me, his grace is sufficient. Number three, your Holy Spirit lives in me. I am free from the yoke of bondage. Amen. Oh, praise God. I don't have to, I don't have to get up every morning and, and convince myself that I'm saved. I don't have to get up and say, you know what? It's going to be a, a fairly decent day today. I get up, amen, and I say, Lord, thank you for saving my miserable soul, amen, and thank you, Holy Spirit, that you reside inside of me. You give me comfort. You give me wisdom. You give me power. You give me strength, amen, and I'm going to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Number four, the Lord's plan is better than my plan. Therefore, I will surrender and obey unto his plan. You say, well, pastor, what, what, how do you know the plan of God? A lot of times we don't. But I will tell you this, that if God is ready to open a door for you and you're willing to walk through that door, then you've relieved your responsibility. If you're willing, if you're not willing to walk through a door, in other words, you know, the Bible says that... Uh, that uh, you've got you to warn people not to go to hell. And if you don't, when you stand before God, you may have to give an account for that. Now, I'm not talking about you just go around everybody, but if the Lord, if the Holy Spirit says, buddy, you better talk to that person. You better say something to them of encouragement, but also let them know that you're praying for their soul. Come on, church. God doesn't always do that, amen, but there are times whenever we are in, impacted powerfully, amen, to pray for somebody or to speak a word to somebody. And you know what? You're, you're moving forward in the love of God when you can do that to a total stranger if you feel the unction of the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's something I need to preach on later. His plan is better than our plan any day, 365 days out of the year. And then, Lord, make me thirsty for more of you. Number eight, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Him in you. Oh, praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord. You like that uh, seven, seven years of marriage? I knew I was preaching pretty heavy this morning and kind of hard, so I had to throw in some to ease it up a little bit. But I'm glad that the Lord's love never wanes, never changes. He never gets tired of us. He just loves us. He just loves us. John 3.16, the love of God in the dimensions of uh, the depth, the breadth, is God so loved the world, the length that he gave his only begotten son, the depth that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, and the height that they shall have eternal life. The gospel of John 3.16 in many, God the greatest lover, so loved the greatest degree, the world the greatest number, that he gave the greatest act, his only begotten son, the greatest gift, that whosoever the greatest invitation, believeth the greatest simplicity, 
Oh, to him the greatest person should not perish. The greatest deliverance. But the greatest difference. Have the greatest certainty. Eternal life. The greatest possession. Praise God. Number two, the ultimate demonstration. The ultimate demonstration. Oh my, where's time gone? God so loved that He gave. What a demonstration of His love to us. Even when we were sinners, He gave His Son for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 6 shares with us, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet Peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God is demonstrated at Calvary, a great demonstration. He stood in the gap, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, uh, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He took our place. Uh, he stood between heaven and hell. Uh, he stood between heaven and earth. Uh, he stood between heaven and us uh, to stand in that gap, uh, to bring us uh, to the cross. Uh, amen. To where that we can repent uh, and have eternal life and also enjoy life from the moment we got saved. He stood in the gap. He rescued us. Oh, from the clutches of death and despair and agony on in. He rescued us from the torment of hell. He rescued us. His name is Christ. And oh, church, this morning, if that is not the utmost love, I don't know what is. The utmost decision. If you make no decision, it is a decision. But the utmost decision we will make concerning Christ. Pilate asked the mob in Matthew chapter 27. What shall I do then with Jesus? Which is called Christ. And the mob, they cried out, crucify him. Crucify him. Put him to death and release unto us Barabbas. A man who had been found guilty of insurrection. A man who had been found guilty of thieving. A man who had been found guilty of all the sins that could be. And yet the mob cried, release this murderer. Release this man to us. But kill Jesus. You talk about a decision. You know, we're not salesmen. We don't have a sales pitch, and, and heaven doesn't have a sales pitch either. Heaven just simply says there's an ultimate decision that you can make. And your decision is simply, will you believe God and that He sent His Son? Will you believe Christ Jesus to be the propitiation of your sins, the covering of your sins with His precious blood? Will you believe and will you receive? And everybody here this morning says, I believe and I receive. Thank you, Sister Ellie. Two of us. You guys, please forgive me if I'm a little tart this morning. It's been a tough week. But I don't want to bore you with all the details of the toughness. I just want to tell you that we're here. God is good. We're saved. Hey, man, we got food on our table. We may have wet socks, but we still got socks. 
We may be a little cold, amen. It may set, be sitting on 65 when it should be sitting on 75, but we're not freezing to death. Oh, there's 70 people have died in this horrific storm. One man died in his own car. Another mother and her son died in the garage because they got so cold they went to the garage, turned the car on, not realizing that they could die from carbon monoxide, and they died. There's people that have lost their life, amen. I watched the police in Springfield, Missouri, stopping homeless people and taking information, and I was praying. I said, Lord, make sure they have a place to go and have a warm place to sleep. I thought about calling Sister Ann and say, we still got those beds. Remember that one time that it was so horrific? We opened up the gym and we let people, the guys stay. We went down to the Victory Mission and, and uh, we, we said, if you don't have a place to stay tonight, get on the bus. And they got on the bus and we pulled over here to the gym. It was nice and warm. We had beds made out. And, and uh, I said, which one of you fellas has just got out of prison the latest? Well, I got out three months ago. Well, I got out two months ago. I got out a week ago. I said, all right, you stand at the door and take all their weapons. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? You stand at the door and they don't get in unless they give up their weapons, amen. And you know what? I went back and they, they had the awfulest mess of knives and stuff, you know. And, and then it dawned on me, what are we going to do with them? Because if we put them in the kitchen drawer, they know where they're at. We had a man and his wife that came, and they wanted to have a place to stay. I said, what are we going to do with them? I said, I know what we'll do. We'll take one of our little dividers, and we'll put them in the corner, amen, and we'll put a... a, a... Sometimes it ain't easy loving people that are unlovable in the world standard. But we're compelled to be compassionate. So the guy the next day, he said, because we kicked him out the next morning. He done something to eat and we kicked him out. He said, what do you want me to do with these, these weapons? I said, well, you give them back if they're, gonna, if they're not going to come back. But if they're going to come back, just keep them. And then it dawned on me, this guy just got out of prison. He's <laughs> and I've turned him over to, well, never mind. I prayed that night of the Lord. Called Sister Ann, and she did. She went over and she kicked two of them out. I think it was you that kicked them out, wasn't it? Or found some booze in their bunk or something. I don't know. Booze in their bunk. Amen. Was it Angela? Yeah, I remember that they said, you can't stay. You make up your mind. Either you drink out in the cold or you, drink, you can't drink in the church. Listen, it feels so good this morning. We had a guy one time I put up in the gymnasium because his wife kicked him out of the house. He was a mess everything. And I got a call from the janitor and said, he got a call and Sister Susan took it. And he said, oh, Sister Susan, I found a wild turkey in the gym. She said, well, let it out. <laughs> she didn't know that he, that, that he had found a bottle of wild turkey. And I went to him. I said, what are you doing? You, you, that's just, this is absolutely stupidity. What are you doing? You know, you're biting the hand that's trying to take care of you and everything. And you know what? We were patient with him. We were patient with him, and we loved him, and we saw him come to Christ, amen. Saw him and his wife get back together again, amen. And I preached his funeral, amen, and I could stand with confidence saying, he made it. The ultimate deliverance should not perish, but have everlasting life. We all are challenged and motivated by ultimatums. We've had ultimatums all of our lives. Ultimatums all of our lives. 
Well, with heaven and with, with God's word, it's not necessarily an ultimatum. It's a decision. It's a choice. In fact, God loves you so much, he'll let you go straight to hell. Because you have free will and choice. He's not going to browbeat you into doing anything. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door. He doesn't get a battering ram. But he can sure make life miserable for us. The ultimate deliverance. If you do your homework, you won't have a demerit. When I didn't do my homework, I was ashamed to go to church. To, to church. I was ashamed to go to school. But oh, a good feeling when I knew all my homework was done. And I know that my brother did a good job for me. <laughs> if you will come into work, you'll get a paycheck. Isn't it amazing that so many today feel like they can work and, and not have to really do a lot of work and still get a paycheck? Well, we are educating people wrong. Oh, let me see here. Okay, the government will give me $600 a week. I was making $400 a week, and I can stay home. I'm not going to say anymore. Praise God for that. A lot of people need it. A lot of people don't. Well, I feel that wave coming at me now. You come to work, and you won't get fired. If you pay your rent, you won't be evicted. <clears throat> well, now the government says you can't be evicted. Well, isn't that amazing? I know a guy one time that when the when person didn't pay their rent, he'd just go over and take the front door off. They say, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to fix the front door. Well, the judge told him, he said, if you do that again, we'll put you behind a door that locks. Come on, church. Ultimatums. Ultimatums are in our life, whether we like it or not. If you make your car payment, it won't get repossessed. Now Jesus, and I'm paraphrasing here, says, if you believe in me, you won't spend eternity in hell. That's a pretty good motivation. Oh, church, do you still love me this morning? I'm doing the best I can. Amen. I'm doing, I'm doing what I can this morning, amen, to try to try to help us. And I'm not, I'm not coming down on anybody, amen, for anything whatsoever. I'm telling you what, you know, a lot of things are, are needful, amen. A lot of stuff is needful. A lot of things are needful. But I will tell you this, there's a, there's a catch to it as well. Okay? Everything has a catch to it. Be careful that you don't get caught up in the catch. Well, I want to try to explain myself a little bit more, but I think I'm just digging the hole a little deeper. This love that we're talking about this morning, that we're proclaiming and preaching, is displayed in the life of a Christian. Because in the life of a Christian, there will be forgiveness, and it is motivated by love. Just look at Joseph. His own flesh and blood, his own brothers opened up a big old pit and they put him down in that pit and they waited. They were going to kill him and one of the brothers stood up and said, let's don't kill him. No, let's don't do it. Let's make some money off of him. And the bad ones were coming along and they said, hey, we got a strong young man that you would make a good slave. Would you like to have him? And they put him in that caravan. They took him to Egypt and they sold him to the head military general. took his coat of many colors and they ripped it up and they put blood on it. 
gave it back to daddy and said, a wild beast must have got him. But Joseph forgave his brothers. Remember when they were with him there when the famine was taking place? And Joseph would leave and excuse himself and he would go out back and he would begin to weep and cry. And he wanted to tell his brothers so badly who he was. But instead, he gave them the grain they needed and even put the cup, the silver cup, in Benjamin's sack. Remember, he said, I will not give you any more grain unless you bring the youngest, Benjamin. And Reuben said, I can't. I'll stay here at his place. But it will kill Jacob. Oh, my dad's alive. He's thinking this way. And when it was all said and done, Joseph revealed who he was. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, what you did to me, you thought it evil. But God thought it good. For in such a time as this, God has raised me to a place that I'm going to help take care of my family even though you were a snake. No, he didn't say that. And if you read that story, it goes on and on and on about how that, how that God, uh, through Joseph, you know, sustained them and got his daddy back and, and gave them this land, amen, and gave people to, to, to farm the land. But it's all because of Joseph's heart to forgive. May the Christian have a forgiving heart. If there's anything in your life, or if there's anyone in your life that you just have such a hard time forgiving, let today be the day you settle it in your heart that you're going to forgive them. Quiet in here. Redeeming love. The book of Hosea talks about how that Hosea had a beautiful wife, but she had an inclination to go out into the world. And she went out and became a prostitute. And Hosea was the prophet of God. And he, and he, he didn't know what to do. And he cried out to God. And God said, you take her back. You love her. And he kept bringing her back and loving her. Amen. And she would wander away. And he'd go get her and bring her back. And God used that as an allegory of his love. And the people that had no love for God, he said, listen, it's the same. Amen. People walk away from God, but I love them anyway. I'm going after them. Amen. And we're the bride of Christ this morning in church and no matter where you're at and no matter how far you've wandered God will bring you back compassionate love Peter looked him right in the square of the eyes and said I will never deny you Lord and whenever he was put in that position he denied the Lord three times I don't know who you're talking about I don't know any well you sir sound like that you belong to him because you have the same dialect. Uh, haven't you been walking with him? No, he did not even to the point of swearing. Was I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth. And God had told him, said, when the cock crows three times, you'll deny me. Peter ran out into the wilderness. And he wept and he cried. And he knew that he had deceived and he had, he had rejected the Lord and he had let his Lord down and he went out into the wilderness and he wept and cried and tried to repent. But when Jesus rose from the dead, amen, and he went back to where his disciples at, he said, go get Peter. Make sure you get Peter and bring Peter back here, amen. And he recommissioned that man. He put him back in the front line and he said, go and feed my lambs. Boy, did he ever. I will tell you this morning that our Lord is a healing, loving God. He'll heal you from anger, bitterness, jealousy, burning of lust. He will heal you, reach down and pick you up out of 
the mess of life. And most importantly, not only will he heal your physical body, but he will heal your spiritual soul. How many fell on the ice this last 12 days? One, two, three, four, four, five. Took a pretty bad fall. It got me before I knew it got me. But I'm here this morning. You're here this morning. God is good. What does that have to do with this message? I have no idea. I'm just glad I'm alive. Amen. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad my back wasn't broke. My hip wasn't kind of thing. And I'm sure glad I got all the sympathy I could milk out of this thing from Sister Susan for since not this Friday, but the following Friday. Hey, man, I, oh, buddy, I mean, I worked it. She reached down in her good stash of, of creams. Hey, man, oh, hallelujah, I do feel better. A Christian will love the Savior. A Christian will love the Scriptures. Come on, stay with me, amen. I'm being a good pastor. I'm giving you all S's. The, uh, a Christian will love the Savior, love the Scriptures, love the sanctuary, and love the saints. I'll tell you what, I love you guys, and you love us. We love one another. But oh, may we love the sinner. May we love the sinner. Sister... Randy, maybe you can help us this morning with the piano. Is Chris here? No, okay. Yeah, he's downstairs too. Would you guys mind to come? No, they're here. So I thought maybe they'd left. And then I saw them. Yeah, that's all right. I want to close this story. Years and years and years ago, a father took his son and his son's best friend on a fishing trip. They went out into the ocean, and they had an incredible, incredible day of fishing. If you've ever been in the ocean, you know that it can become very unstable. We chartered a boat one time on a trip to Florida, along with 30 other people. We went fishing. We went red snapper fishing. And as we were moving out into the bay, the captain was telling us all the instructions. And my little daughter, Don, she couldn't stand it. She said, it's a water spout, don't you see? And in front of us was the biggest old water spout I'd ever seen. He changed gears quickly and he said, everybody go down to the bottom of the boat. I grabbed my kids and I said, stay steady, don't go. We're going to be at the door. If this thing goes down, we're going to get out of here. I'd much rather take my chances treading water as I would. So we waited. We just by the door. We survived. He took his... It just feels so good in here, God. The anointing of God is so rich. We have had to have it. We need it. It is out in the ocean, and all of a sudden the storm came up. 
And both of the boys were swept overboard. They didn't have life jackets. They were swept overboard. The father was trying his best to get them a rescue rope, a rescue whatever it could be to get to them. But he realized that the storm was so intense that it was separating the boys. And he had to make a decision very quickly. And he called out to his son. And he said, I know that you're a good Christian young man. I know that you are saved. And I don't think I can get the rescue rope to you. But I got a chance to give it to your friend. Tell me what I need to do. And without hesitation, the son said, give it to my friend. Because he needs Christ. The blood natural son floated off into the ocean never to be recovered and he pulled his friend in into the safety of the boat they got back on shore the pastor of a church was preaching on the love of God and there was an old man sitting in the congregation he called him by name and he said, please come. And he came up to the front. And the pastor acknowledged him. And began to relay the story. This was the father. And when the story was told without a dry eye in the place, the old man began to break down and could not continue with what he was sharing, what had happened. And the pastor stood forward, put his arm around the old man. He said, I'm the boy that he rescued. Got saved. Called to the ministry. We had a missionary one time come to this church and share a story. They were in the deepest resources of a foreign country. Years ago, it was un basically, I mean, didn't have running water, didn't have a lot of things. And they were giving out tracks on the back of a pickup. And they were giving these tracks of salvation and he got down to the last track that he had. And there standing at the foot of that pickup truck was a boy that is estimated to be about 12 years old. And a man that was like in his 70s. And the missionary tells the story. How that he was in such a dilemma. Who do I give the lifeline to? Who do I give this track to? Do I give it to the old man because his time is limited? Do I give it to the 12-year-old? And he made a decision. He gave it to the 12-year-old. And the reason why he said this, he said because the old man had lived his life. He had made his influence. He had left his legacy he had already established his life. But this 12-year-old boy, his life was just beginning. He could influence. And he could, if he gets saved, if he'd take that track and believe and get saved, oh, what he could do. And the young boy did get saved and became a minister of the gospel and literally reached village after village after village after village for the cause of Christ. Oh, this morning, church, we're talking about the utmost love of God. But today he doesn't pick and choose. Y'all 
got the same opportunity. Did you like that? Ewan's got the all same opportunity. How Ewan's doing, I love it. Let's go to Ozarkian, Arkansasian. Boy, I'm tempted to share a good one here for you. It's too critical. So the ball is in your court. The decision is with you. What are you going to do? And the Holy Spirit reminded me that it's been a while since that we have seen anybody come to Christ through the Sunday morning service to where you boldly stand up and say, I'm lost. I need salvation. I need Christ. Today's that day. You that one that says, you know, I'm uncertain. I don't know for sure. But with the boldness of God, I'm going to stand on my feet. I'm going to walk down here. I'm going to kneel on an old-fashioned altar. And those of those who are redeemed are going to gather around me and pray. Today's your day. Today's your day. Bow your hearts. Let's pray. Lord, set people free today to accept you as the Lord of their life. Accept you today. Those that are watching my Facebook this morning, you can see the prayer this morning. Just, Lord, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Create in me a clean heart. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Make me want to love others like I love myself. Lord, thank you that you love me right where I'm at. Who will be the first to say, Pastor, that's me. That's me, and I want to make sure that I'm right. I'm ready. Amen. All you got to do is put your hand on the back of the pew and pull yourself up. Put one foot in front of the other. If you don't even want to kneel, you don't have to kneel. We can sit here. I mean, you can stand here or whatever. You just want to say, Lord, I just want to make sure. All right, let's pray. Lord, the message has gone forth. And thank you for the anointing. It's a tough message, hard message. Oh, the subject is so powerful that you loved us so much you gave your only begotten Son. And Lord, before this day's over with, make sure that everybody that's listening to the voice of this pastor has it settled in their heart that they're ready to meet you. Lord, we're going to give you all the praise, all the honor and the glory that Sister Sutterfield was ready to meet you. And she was ushered in with open arms, amen, of love and grace. And there's no question in my mind, there's no question in our mind as a church that she loved you, that she had accepted you as the Lord of her life. And Lord, today I know that Brother Tom is so excited today too because she led him to the Lord. So Lord, as we leave this place today, keep us on the firing line, keep us on our feet, keep us rejoicing, keep us exalting and worshiping you. In your loving name we ask it.